Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. This is Hey Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Dory. Wow. What an incredible weekend we had last weekend. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was I think well, I think just thinking about how, um, you know, from the the idea to the fruition of the idea was so fast, like it just it came together so quickly and we didn't have any technical glitches, right? Everything seemed to work as expected. That was magical. That was magical. Because because it could have gone wrong. I mean, it was just the two of us, and I was doing a few things at a time, and sometimes I'm not good at that, Tori. I'm I'm not the best multitasker that I know. Imagine that. No, I really appreciated you um, doing all the work behind the scenes. I would say one of the one learning that happened for me made me chuckle afterward is this whole time that I've had my microphone plugged in. I did not realize that I had to change a little setting on my computer so that the computer would recognize the auxiliary plug-in instead of the built-in microphone. So I thought that I was using this fabulous microphone and sounding so great, finally, you know, after all this time. And uh, yeah, no, I had it plugged in, but it was really just a prop. (laughs) Well, you know, we're learning as we go, Tori. We are not experts in broadcasting or sound mixing or any of that stuff. Or playwriting. Playwriting. So we probably know a little bit more about playwriting than we do about audio. So I hope. So, so yeah, I think we did all right. So Tori, we have a very exciting guest today. Yes, we do. I could say where I met him, but that would be a giveaway. No, I can say where I met him. I actually met him. uh, We had, we both won, we both won a, a playwriting contest and had our plays produced um and in an evening of 10 minute plays it was a company called new play cafe and it was on the back patio of a um a coffee shop it was that's cool yeah Mm -hmm. it was somewhat site-specific theater somewhat (laughs) site-specific the guest has spoken (laughs) i know well well now i guess we have to introduce him all right we are so excited to have this amazing playwright and actor tom stewart tom stewart is the author of the solo shows the godfather one part and the bond show and his one act play live at Folsom prison was selected for new village arts final draft new play festival in 2020 in 2019 he penned the one act play dead play and co-wrote the comedy Space Force. Hmm. Other produced plays include The Future of Coffee Houses, No Phones, and The Only Real Diner in Town for New Play Cafe. Tom is also an actor who has performed across the United Kingdom. What? Tom, are you British? (laughs) Might be a little bit British. Oh, uh, and he's been, uh, he's performed at New Village Arts here in San Diego and the Old Globe. He is the founder and artistic director of Lonesome Whistle Productions, a theater company dedicated to developing innovative solo theater 
Tom, welcome to Hey Playwright. There's also one thing that we left out on this bio, Tom. We are we we are podcasting fellows. Yes, and you. Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, that bio is pre, pre podcasting. Yeah. I'm also the, the co host of the Everything Sequel podcast, um, which is a podcast devoted exclusively to movie sequels. Uh, we, we examine the, the sequels of any given film, um, excluding the original. And um, it's just been, it's an, been an interesting project. Uh, my my mind is really uh, I don't know I don't want to say saturated with with um, with sequels. I, we we recorded something today, and I realize I've created my own terminology for talking about sequels. It's quite disturbing. Ooh, lay down just, on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I sort of you know I I said something along the lines of um, I won't tell you what what series we're talking about because that's that's always a surprise. But uh, you know, I said, I said, this is a legacy character, not a surrogate, and then realized that <laughs> I just made up that terminology. <laughs> uh, so, legacy character is a is a returning character from the original movie, and um, or a previous sequel, and uh, a surrogate is a character that seems like they should have been in the original but weren't, and oh. se- sequels are full of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a question about about what you said about a previous sequel. So does that mean that like what is what is a previous sequel? Well, we uh, where we examine um, sequels in uh, as many sequels as a as a movie has. So if it's a series that runs into seven, eight movies, we'll ah. we'll cut co- we'll cover them all, um, and then we'll move on to another one. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, we might revise that because there are some ridiculously long series out there, and uh, when we get to Halloween, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, like isn't Friday the Thirteenth also up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Only we horror movies. So we can only avoid right now. I think the longest we've done is six, maybe seven movies, um, okay. and that's a, so that's a long chunk of time to just for watching them. Never mind podcasting about them. So yeah. we, we might we might have to revise that model at some point. <laughs> in in well, my small mindedness, I thought that sequel just meant part two. I didn't. I didn't. Well, it, I, didn't I mean, and it does. You know, oh, a, does? A lot, okay. well, well, a lot of the time. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I well, well yeah, I think strictly speaking, you're right. Um, but we we. Yeah, because yeah. I. What's a part three called? Like, if 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 not a sequel, like what's a, what is a part three? It's really interesting because I, I. Well, that's it. I always used to have that that problem of adjusting my mind. That uh, you know, I I did the same thing where it's a sequel is, as as a sequel to the original movie, and then everything after that, I guess, is an installment or something, a chapter. A sequel uh, to the sequel. A sequel to the sequel, but 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 uh, you know the industry or you know the, whatever has just kind of adopted sequel as this umbrella term for any any movie that follows another movie. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it kind of does, but it's interesting because uh, you officially the part two is the sequel. Okay. I get I get where you're coming from. 
do remakes fall into that? Because I was thinking yeah. about A Star is Born and how many previous uh, versions of that movie exist, you know? I mean, officially, we 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 kind of want it to be something that is a continuation, even if... But there's so many gray areas there, because even if it's a continuation, it might completely retcon a prior movie. Um, that happens a lot. Uh, there's also, there's a there's a gray area between you know uh, is is a prequel a sequel you know is a is a, is a reboot a sequel there's all these questions that we consider and I think we just make the judgment call based on on the movie but there's certainly times where we've thought I mean we've already done the Superman series but we didn't do Superman Returns and we kind of realized after that that well I guess technically that's a that's a sequel to because that continues on, but it feels more like a reboot. So we 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 kind of ask those questions, but we don't always uh, we don't always answer them. And we will if a, if a prequel is included as part of a movie series, we'll probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't I, do reboots. We won't do reboots. I enjoy listening <laughs> to your podcast. It, Thank you. It's incredibly entertaining. Oh, so, thanks. Yeah. And I love that you, you, once you've watched all of the sequels, you each choose your favorite one and then you have to defend it. <laughs> it really does change how you talk about them. Right. Absolutely. I've, I've defended some awful movies just because I yeah, happen to like them. <laughs> <laughs> so that I feel like that's a good segue into writing. I mean, is mm. it something about those, the ones that you choose in your ranking order, the top one, does it have to do more with how the story was crafted that drew you in and made you say, this crappy movie is the best of all of the crappy movies? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 not necessarily, but I've definitely done it. I've definitely made that decision on those exact grounds. Um, if I see that they're doing something interesting in the writing, um, I, I can excuse a lot of uh, of garbage um, on those grounds. We, we, we have had those discussions before, but it could really be any. It could really be anything. I mean, we've when we did the Superman movies, we we realized that uh, acting counts for a lot. <laughs> that, it, that, that it can cover a multitude of sins. Writing can too. Um, right. So it, it can go, but yeah, I think, and we talk, I mean, we, we, we're, Mike and I are both writers. Um, Mike, Mike's a screenwriter as well as a playwright. Uh, so we do, we do get into the nitty gritty of, of, of structure and we're constantly offering alternative dialogue as to how we would do it, um, we've re we basically we've rewritten the one of the Psycho sequels through new dialogue that we've that we've come up with and explained things. That so. that makes me think of a mystery science theater, you know, where they would oh, play yes. the movie and do the voiceovers. <laughs> oh my gosh, I still remember. Um, this movie called Ferocious Female Freedom Fighters, <laughs> and it was this really terrible movie but um the people who did it trauma i think yeah is, is makes the sense company. they they uh did voiceovers for everything and oh my gosh it is one of the funniest things 
I still remember where I still remember lines from it. Like it mm -hmm. made that much of an impression on me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's you, you judge everything on its own merits really. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think, um, that's why having good or bad and ranking them is, is very important because you have to talk about whether it's a good or a bad movie, but you're also thinking about where it sits in relation to the other sequels in the series because that can totally skew what you think about it. So you get the best of both worlds, hopefully. Tom, what, what in your mind, what, what would you say is uh, one of the most underrated sequels out there? Where people have just not given it the respect that it deserves. Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's one. I, that, that's the first thing that pops into my head. Okay. Um, Return to Oz. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of under underappreciated sequels out there. Those those are the two that that pop into my mind i generally admire sequels that are trying to do something different um I, I i'm a big fan of superman 3 which is not something you hear that often um <laughs> but i appreciate what it's trying to do uh it's not a superman movie but i appreciate what kind of i, I appreciate the movie for what it is was that where, was that where we saw bizarro was that is it superman 3 had bizarro superman yes Okay. You know, I, I have my, to say my that favorite, that I my favorite that part movie. of that movie. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I did like I, Super Superman 2 is one of my favorite is my favorite Superman movie. Yeah, Superman it's, it's wonderful. Is, yeah. You know, it's interesting as we're talking about this because I was thinking you don't often see plays that have a sequel. Like I can think of um yeah. Angels in America, right? Tony Kushner has the the trilogy, but um what about you, Tom? Like, um, when you're writing, have you ever considered going back and writing a sequel to any of your plays? And what would that be called in theater? Would it be called a, a sequel or? Um, it, I, I, it, it depends. I mean, the, yeah, the only, I mean, the only other one that talks into my mind is a doll's house too, oh, which right. is, which is right. very, which is very much, it, it's, it's very similar to how, sequels work in cinema because they've completely changed the all you know the authorship has changed which is something you see a lot in sequels yes. but um not so much in theater uh the authorship has changed and a lot of time has passed so um that is kind of like giving the sequel treatment to a piece of theater um i i think i've considered i've considered reusing characters a lot i don't know if that counts i suppose it could depending on how big the character is is that yeah. a sequel or a spin-off right exactly oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> i mean you know shakespeare did it with um falstaff you know right. had character he had a character that went between different plays i think a kind of multi-part play um is interesting but what would i think what would be really interesting is is if a group of playwrights sort of made a a pact to continue each other's work <gasps> I think that would be great because then you uh, that would because then you would then you would get the real uh effect of 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 what the movies that we're watching are like where you know it is literally like two children ste stealing toys from each other um 
it's it's like it's like this you know this is my baby now i'm going to do it my way and then i'm going to pass it off to someone else who's going to do it a completely different way uh so i think that would be quite interesting um but definitely i mean yeah multi a multi part would be interesting for me but yeah i'd also i'd also be happy to write something and that with the knowledge that i'm going to hand it off to someone else because i think certainly when in cinema especially if you're doing a big commercial property the the director or the writer wouldn't feel like they that someone isn't going to come along and and uh make a you know make another version of that very soon very soon afterwards and if it's a spider-man probably the next day uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh for sure i have to say your your play when i when i first met you your play that was done with the new play cafe was so compelling just mm. um really loved those characters i invested in the journey right away it was called the the last diner in town or the last the only, real, the only, the real only diner, real diner, diner and, yeah, the only yeah. real. Look, okay, I couldn't get the title right, but the characters and the story stayed with me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only real diner in town. So, where do you um, draw your ideas from to write your plays? Well, that one was, I mean, I, as I remember that that was a we had a prompt, we had a theme. Yes, it was um, uh, legends, legends in ten minutes or less, mm -hmm. um, and so I was I was kind of riffing on the idea there of of legends um, in the sort of uh, John Ford, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance kind of of way, you know, print the truth or uh, print the legend or the truth, you know, that kind of, and then took it from there. Um, but typically, typically pieces of dialogue or characters are floating around in my mind, and then it's 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 all a matter of uh, finding the right vehicle for them. Most of the time, uh, I'm very dialogue centric in in how I write. I like to start with the dialogue and and kind of build the concept from there. So usually, everything starts with two or th uh, two or three pages of dialogue without me really knowing who anyone is or or what their relationship is and usually in those two to three pages you've got the nucleus of something that you can start writing with um so that's 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 how i do it but a lot of it is you know half used ideas um that i've had over the years for things um and then something like you know, the new play cafe call will come out and then just ha hearing the word legends will cement everything into a, into yeah. a format. I'll, I'll be able to say, okay, I've only got 10 minutes and this is thematically where I need to be. You know, is there anyone, you know, hanging, is there any of the characters hanging around in my mind or is there any uh, pieces of dialogue in my mind that can speak to that? And yeah, that's that's usually how it works. If I'm working with without any of those strictures, um, I'm kind of a loose cannon, really, because uh, I'm I'm just I'm just finding out what it is as I'm writing. Uh, it can go anywhere, generically, stylistically, um, and most of the time, I'd rather it did kind of change every time. I I, I have a 
an insecurity about writing the same thing again and again. And sometimes I'm overcompensating by making sure everything is as different as it can be from each other. I really have no preconceptions when I start to write. Do you look for opportunities where you know that you'll submit or do you just say, all right, today's Sunday, I'm going to write a play. Like, <laughs> I feel like today's a good day to write a play. Or do you look for for opportunities that you know that you'll be able to submit to? I've I've learned to, you know, I've I've learned to let that let those opportunities guide me, but I I'm also conscious that you know, inspiration is a lot like turning on a faucet and w once it's pouring, it's like you have to just let it go. So there there are times when, you know, I'm I'm so inspired to write, I'll I will just want I'll just need to get it out. But but you know those that's few, those times are few and far between. So I've learned to be a bit more disciplined about looking for opportunities and letting that letting that guide me. Um, but then but occasionally I can just run with something because I know I have to I have to get it out of me as quickly as possible before uh, inspiration runs dry. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you motivated by deadlines? I suppose so, but I mean. It, there's the, yeah, there's this kind of set deadlines of competitions, and I'll I'll usually finish a lot earlier than that deadline is, just because I'm you know I'm I'm so conscious of I don't have time to write this, and then sometimes I do that to myself because I, you know I'm I'm paranoid that uh, I'm going to run out of ideas if I don't keep writing. <laughs> oh good! So you know what? I'm glad to hear you say that. I thought that was just me, but that is. That is something that I'm truly terrified about. I'm like, is this the last play that I will ever write? Because I'm yeah. going to have nothing left to say after this. Uh, Did and you, yeah. Anyone else feel that way? No? <laughs> Just me? <laughs> it's it's a, I mean, and it is, it is a paranoia because, there, you know, there are times when I've lost big chunks of work. Uh, it's just gone completely, you know, erased and... I've been able like to lost like technically like a, yeah like, like a computer file oh, that's gone or, no, or or a notebook that's, that's gone or something worst. like that. Oh. And I've been able to kind of recreate it with not much loss. So I think you know if I was looking in objectively, I'd be like, if you wanted to go back and rewrite this as it was, you could, uh, and you might even find something better, <laughs> a different angle. But at the time, it's just all about I've got to keep the momentum of writing. Uh, because, you know, you, I'm just paranoid that once that goes, the ideas go at the same time. Uh, it's not necessarily true, but that, that's just a, that's just how I, how I write. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those irrational, irrational, uh, things that we have as writers, right? It doesn't necessarily make sense. And if you were to look back at your work historically, you would realize like that. Yeah. There's no merit in that. Right. There's no merit in that. And, you know, you can, uh, I think, but the other, you know, the, the less than I'd like to put out there is if the moment is right, you can also go back to something that you've abandoned. If everything is, is working in you to produce work, you can pick that up. You know, nothing is ever, uh, sh nothing ever should be abandoned um, because, you know, there will be a time and a place where it'll make sense in a new way. Um, so that, you know, that is something that I think is a, is a kind of positive lesson. The rest is just, you know, my insanity. Uh <laughs> no, but I, I love that. I love that you said that, that nothing should ever be abandoned because you often hear uh, writing 
uh, instructor say, hey, sometimes there's just nothing there. And it's heartbreaking, especially as someone who sometimes like I second guess myself, like, is there anything there? Should I abandon it? So it's heartening to hear you say nothing. You know, it may maybe it's not the right time right now, but but maybe later. That's kind of cool. I always think of that story of Stephen King throwing away his manuscript Carrie and Tabitha, his wife, finding it in the trash mm. and pulling it out and going, uh-uh, I think you have something here, you know? Just don't don't throw anything away. Hold on to it. You just never know. Well, e- even if it's, you know, a, a single line of dialogue or yes. or, or, or just, a st- a, you know, like a stage direction that you really like how it came out on the page, there's usually a nugget of something that you can use somewhere else. That's right. what I, that's what I found anyway. I have a question. Yeah. Where do you keep your nuggets? <laughs> Where do you keep those nuggets? Your lines of dialogue and no. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, you took a long pause there. <laughs> uh Yeah, I don't I don't have a I'm not one I, I'm not well, I've considered walking around with like a dictaphone and you know saying saying them when they come, but mostly I have to just keep them in my brain mm. and uh uh or you know, write write them down but as part of something. I mean I, I'm I've not got to the point where I think that's such a great line of dialogue, I'm gonna write it down. I probably should, but uh um usually you know if if it's good enough you'll remember it and then you can and then when you realize it it works or it, it it's uh you know i don't have i mean I, i've i think i've learned to kind of be intuitive as well as as a writer and this is what i mean about not uh preparing too much ahead of time and other people work in all kinds of ways and that really works for some people but with me I'll find that, you know, even if I've not articulated on paper or even to myself that I have a structure that I'm working to or I'm working towards something, it will kind of cut, it will kind of pour out of me, you know, as I go through the process um, that I'll realize, certainly with plotting, you know, I'll realize that uh, a plot is going somewhere and that this is where it has to go. And that's worked for me, and it might not necessarily work for for all writers, and and it might be entirely the opposite for someone. But I, I've learned I I certainly do my best work when I'm being, when I'm just kind of being intuitive about what I'm writing and where it's going, uh, not um not trying to stick to a, a rigid structure that I've set myself. So, do you outline anything before you go? It doesn't sound like you do, but maybe not right at the beginning. I usually about I probably about uh, a quarter or a third of the way through, I'll start to do scene breakdowns and beat breakdowns, and because I'll get a sense of like, it's like oh this this scene's probably going to go on this long, and then there'll be another act, or maybe I want to have you know this scene in this play in five scenes, or maybe I maybe I want it to be to be continuous action throughout. Um, so I'll realize fairly soon on that what the outline is, and then then I'll I'll outline. But right at the beginning, I just find it too limiting to be trying to kind of put words and dialogue in a, in a pre-existing structure. But it it presents it, it usually presents itself pretty quickly. 
are you more of a fan then of the short form or do you have a, a lot of full length plays under your belt? Um, I've, I've got a few full length plays. I am a fan of the, the short form. It's just so direct. You can produce a far greater range of work using the short form. You know, when you get into full length plays, it's, you know, you, you're in the kind of equivalent of a novel in some senses. The short form, you, you can kind of explore something quickly, but in a, in a very, in, in a way that's just as precise and often just as interesting. So um, I, I like it. I like it because it gets it, it gets your plays out there. But I but I, but I'm also yeah attracted to to the kind of to time time restriction as a as a way of shaping plays is is very is very interesting. That ten minutes or five minutes or you know even going up to like twenty minutes, it, it sets a clock on your work which takes it in some kind of interesting directions. And you just have to be very disciplined as well. It's always like a good exercise to to make you realize what you need to have there and what you don't need to have there. Um, and that can really help you with longer pieces too, because you might not think you have to make that call, those calls because you have, you know, up to two, three hours sometimes, but you should be making those calls anyway for the audience's benefit. Did you start your podcast during the pandemic? Certainly did. What else have you been doing during this time? Have you been working on any theater stuff during this time? Yeah, I've I produced quite a lot actually. Um, about a month or two into the pandemic, uh, I started a, a kind of serial solo piece, The Godfather One Part, based on the Godfather movies, which isn't strictly original writing, but um, it's it's more on the performance art side. But uh, you know, it it, it was I performed the godfather in real time in my home when two and a half minute videos that went out five days a week on youtube um so it was it was definitely a hybrid uh and i was using you know in a, a script that was pre-existing but uh I, in staging the work you know that's a form of a, staging the work is staging the movie as a well not just a play but something that you know a play that you can put on a webcam in chunks in you know on your couch it, that kind of staging is kind of a form of adaptation and uh, as it went on it, it you know you had to play, play fast and loose just to communicate what's going on and add your own uh dialogue interjections so that was a huge undertaking. It took me months to do do the whole thing. Um, Were you a one man production company? Like it was just you doing everything, every aspect of it. Oh yeah, yeah. For that, wow. I mean, you know, I, I, I Lonesome Whistle Productions. It's 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 about solo theater, but we usually have two or three people working on it. This was this was as close to homemade theater as so solo homemade theater. It was. I was using my son's toys as props. Um, well, he, he appears um, in it too, right? Yeah, well, it started. It, it, <laughs> it, it began. It began as me kind of acting out scenes from The Godfather with uh, with my son Bill, uh, who was he would have been two, uh, nearly three at the time, and um, I, you know, I ended up using that as a kind of trailer for the real thing. I really wanted to do it. I, I you know, I thought now, you know, I want to do something in real time. Now's the time to do it because people have the time to watch this and I have the time to do it. 
that was a huge undertaking. And once that was done, um, I started, started to move into Halloween. And I feel like I'm always working on some kind of Halloween-themed thing theatrically. And I was getting really upset that I, that wasn't going to happen this year. So I created a bunch of new work for myself. And I, I created the two uh, theater pieces um, that are based on a, 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 TV, a TV movie from the 90s called Ghost Watch, which uh, traumatized me when I saw it as a child. And I've kind of created two theatrical um, events, a short one, which was for a, a showcase of um, horror theater called Whispers in the Dark from Thornhill Theater Space, um, which if you get a chance to see it or Thornhill Theater Space anywhere, it's amazing because they, uh, you know, they have theater artists from around the world, pretty much all performing new work. Um, this just happens to be horror themed, uh, but he's done, you know, he did a worldwide fringe festival, which I revived one of my shows for um, during the pandemic as well. Uh, so, so right now, yeah, I'm w working on a ghost watch party, which airs on, uh, well, at time of recording this Saturday, which is Halloween night. And, uh, I, I prepared a short piece on, on similar themes, which is, which went out last weekend, uh, called paranormal transmission will be resumed as soon as possible you, the, with the podcast as well. And, and trying to explore what can be done virtually. I'm pretty sure we're going to be stuck in this situation for a little while longer. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see an end in sight. So I'd rather, I'd rather be able to come back to virtual even once live arts are kind of up and running again, because uh, who knows? I've treated it as a um, as a way to experiment with different ways of doing theatre, and I think that's the only way you can approach it. I think if you're working against the medium that you're in, it's never going to have the same resonance. But if, if you're actually thinking about, well, what, what suits being online? What suits um you know doing theater on zoom you know we should be making pieces that fit this medium specifically not trying to kind of cram a play into a little a little uh kind of box on your laptop screen because we might be having to do this for a while mm -hmm. so right. it's, i think we should be doing a you know original work really uh or or, or very highly customized existing work that's my feeling. Yeah. No, hence the reason we did that call for entries. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a ton of fun and your your piece was scary, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was it, it was all it's always it's nice to run with you know, you, you it's nice to run with one feeling. Uh and that's what I love about doing horror. Um, is that, you know, ultimately your goal is to kind of scare people and everything can kind of be subject to that. Um, but, but you don't, I don't know. I, I feel this way about a lot of genres is you don't actually lose anything. You, you get that character complexity, you get that, uh, emotional complexity, but it's just not the thing you're aiming for, but it comes anyway. In, because your goal is ultimately to to terrify to kind of uh, terrify people or unnerve people um, was was certainly my goal and taking these very familiar things like the radio um, and turning it into something which uh, 
is an object of fear uh, for people. Um, I think that's where horror works best. You 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 know you find the familiar and uh, you find something that is in every that is in in everyone's homes. I guess radio is a bit outdated there, but um, uh, yeah, and then you exploit it to for fear. <laughs> and that's what that was what I tried to do, and then but you know I I afterwards after after writing it I was like I was some this and a couple of interesting characters in here. It wasn't like it was a byproduct of what I was aiming for, but it just kind of it just kind of happened. You know, it's like oh these guys are, these guys have a life outside of this, um, even yes. though even though we're only getting this brief glimpse of of, of the you know the most heightened scariest moments, but then yeah, that's horror. You know, um, it'd be very dull otherwise. <laughs> well, there's your sequel. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's probably why horror has so so many sequels because you know that you can just we when the horror franchises we've done on the podcast, we have noticed that you know typically the way that you revive a horror movie as a sequel is you take the person who survived the first movie and you follow their story um so you're just dealing with this utterly traumatized human being <laughs> um and it's so it's 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 kind of it, you you just think yeah of course this of course these horror movie series go on for again and again because it, you know every time the movie ends you just take the survivor and carry them into the next movie it's really it's it's tailor-made for that tom i have a special request mm. i i don't think that you have done it but the Sleepaway Camp franchise. I love the mm. first Sleepaway Camp. Super creepy, weird, has one of the most bizarre endings in do, do you know which one I'm talking about? I I have not I have not seen them, but we do take requests. We're currently Oh my gosh, please do Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp, Camp, but you'll have to watch you have to watch the first one. Um Is it a horror because... movie? Oh, I'm not going to watch the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I never. I know, but you're gonna watch the, it to the, get to the end. You the, gotta watch the very end. The pod, the podcast. What we found is the podcast is better when I haven't seen the original, um, <laughs> because most of it is me asking, "Is he in the original? Is this in the original? Was this a thing?" And the answer is always no. <laughs> but I've made up the first movie in my mind. And that is often a, a hilarious set of things that that couldn't possibly happen. Oh my goodness! But yeah, um, we'll 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 look at we'll look into it. I'll put our people on it. You're also a gifted actor. Oh, which, yes. it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you everything that I've seen you in, you've been incredible. You just bring such a lovely vulnerability to the characters, and um, I, I wonder. What type of theater then um, grabs your interest or you, where you read something and go, ah, I really, really want to have the opportunity to bring this character to life? Um, for years, I've uh, wanted to do um, American Buffalo, uh, either of the leads in that. You'd be great. It's definitely something I'd like to... Um, get my teeth into there's a couple of solo shows as well uh, fully committed is a show I've, i would really like to have a go at it seems like it was it was written for for an actor um like me um who likes to 
who likes to do multiple characters. Um, um, so I'd like, you know, I'd like that, certainly like that opportunity. But uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, people are much, other people are much better at, at telling me what I should be doing than, than what I should be going for. I basically did the Sad Man trilogy at New Village Arts, like three, three plays where I was just playing Sad Man. <laughs> Um, you know what? That's and, true. And you know, I, yeah, no, absolutely. And sad, I, sad, lonely man. Yeah, sad, lonely uh, man. I got. Uh, <laughs> I remember yeah. being being at the auditions for one of them, and uh, uh, you know, the director was kind of explained to me what the character is, and I just looked at the script and and sort of said, yeah, yeah, sad man. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get where we're going. I get where we're going here. I, I think, well, as a writer as well, I think more about the kind of writers I'd like to do. I'd like to do more Mamet. I'd like to do more mm. Harold. I'd like to do a lot more Harold Pinter. Uh, I've only really done like one of each of those in performance before. Ayad Akatar. We oh, did yeah. Great Disgraced mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, The Invisible Hand, which is an incredible play uh, that I, I read when I was auditioning for it once. I mean, the production never happened, but uh, uh, nor was I probably going to get cast in it. But um, I, I was I, I was incredibly ex- excited by uh, by his um, approach to to theatre. That was really inspirational. Uh, and and again, you know, I I, I think really attract, attracted the playwrights who write in a lot of different styles, but, you know, they have the same thematic preoccupations running through whatever they do. That's the that's a really nice trade-off for me. So anyone, anyone, any kind of playwright who's like that, I'm usually really impressed by. So I have to say, one thing I'm impressed by, I mean, there are so many things that are impressive about you as an artist and a theater maker, but... You are a marketing fiend, man. Yeah, well, you are really, you are really good at promotion. Yeah, and that's about that's about my kind of background, really. Like starting out in theater festivals um, at, at college. You know, I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival a couple of times, twice doing shows, and the other time working in the theater. And so, you know, my and and that is you know you you basically for those of for those of you who who don't know or it's it's even or even those of you who know fringe festivals but just don't know the edinburgh fringe it's like you're up there for 20 you know you have 20 or so performances you spend your the time that you're not on stage standing in the street trying to get people to come to your show and i guess that has kind of even you know in the world of social media i still think in those terms it's like who can i reach here you know who can i tell about this who can i try and pitch this show to um because you know that that's just ingrained <laughs> it's just ingrained in in that and and you know i've ne- I, I tend not to do shows uh even when i'm working in bigger theaters that i kind of have guaranteed audiences so I, I, you know, I, I want to, I want as many people to see what I'm doing as possible. Um, so I just, I just don't leave anything. To, I don't leave anything to chance mm-hmm. when it comes to promotion. Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's its own, it's its own job, and it's very, very that. time consuming. Uh, but yeah. I'd, I think, I'd feel more unsettled if I wasn't doing it. Uh, although it is nice when someone just says, "Look." You know, this has happened maybe once, twice in my whole career. It's like, look, we're sold out for the whole run. Just relax. Like, you got... 
but that's not i mean that's that's happened like maybe once or twice in my entire career um so most of the time i feel like i like i can all there's always a seat i can try and fill um and it's you know it's with who knows with virtual theater as well what what that means and what the audience base is for that it's completely uncharted territory um so maybe things are going to have to change there but you know whatever whatever the system is for for marketing of that i'll be putting as much out there as i possibly can i'll be fly posting the internet as much as possible yeah no, it it's great. Like I'm learning mm, yeah. a, a lot by seeing what you do because the notifications pop up, you know. Yeah, and, like, and it's Tom you is know, on it. it. It irritates some people, it's but great. it's no. Well, it does. It does, and that's fine. Um, so I, I don't care. I, I don't care. Know. You know, I'm a I'm a huckster. I, uh, I I've got to be. I've got no choice. How, how else I feel yeah, like, how else exactly? you know, what we're doing is, is we're doing grassroots type of theater and podcasting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so getting the word out, the only way we can do it is by reaching out in as many ways as we possibly can. How else, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I, but I like it. There, there are sites that I have forgotten about or didn't know existed. So I appreciate when I see somebody else t- doing that yeah. because then I go, Oh, wow. That's a resource that I really had not thought about. Or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. And then it kind of leads you into other interesting paths that you might not have thought of before. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, and it's from, it's from finding out about certain Facebook groups or, you know, certain, uh, websites that you know, I, I I get as much information about what's going on as you're putting out there, um, right? And that, so it's really it's it's really important to to stay connected to those places, even if you're not pushing your stuff. Absolutely. Hmm. I need to take a lesson. I suck at that. I'm like, oh, the art's well, done. Cool. And and that's it, why it, that's I rely on Tori. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we shouldn't in addition to everything else, we shouldn't be our own, you know, marketing people, but the reality, we shouldn't, but the reality, the reality of it is, is we are. We should. Yeah. We have, yeah. We unless have you, to. unless yeah. you have a machine behind you and perfect yeah. viewers do. So I think yeah, it's, it's not, but it's not, you know, it's hard going and uh, you, you've just got to keep pushing at it. Um, but there's no reason why, self-promotion should be in any of our wheelhouses except that it absolutely should be (laughs) yeah exactly because of the reality of the world we live in so tom we have Mm. a question for you we have been asking for a friend segment and tori has a fabulous and timely for the season question for you all right so tom you are trapped in a horror movie okay Okay. Which one correct, is it? Correct. <laughs> oh no, I'm talking oh, about okay, another horror okay. movie. <laughs> Not real life. So you get to decide. Um, you're thrown into a horror movie and you are not going to get out. So which one is it going to be and why? It's gotta be the the original psycho. Actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I would say the the birds. Hmm. Because that oh, looked that looked okay. so nice before yeah. the birds attacked. You know, it looks. Yeah. <laughs> I should know. I should have said a sequel. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was. 
if it uh, if it was a okay horror horror sequel, I would be uh, like to be stuck in. Oh, I know. Oh, of course I know. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Okay, now why Part Six? Because it's the well, it's a it's the most upbeat of those movies. Every <laughs> everyone's very funny. <laughs> There's kids in it, and they're having a good time. Uh, so I feel I feel like um, I feel like before you know before Jason gets to you, uh, you'd you'd have a you'd have a re, you know you'd have fun you'd have fun before the inevitable machete blow I think uh, yeah Friday the Thirteenth part, part Six absolutely and you know now I've got to go watch it <laughs> well it, you know it's a, it's a movie I've, I've seen it, it's it's it beggars belief that it, it's a full on comedy. Uh, in the guise of a Jason movie, uh, in a way that is not bad at all, it's wonderful. Um, and it's yeah, the only Friday the Thirteenth movie that actually has children, even though they're all set in summer camps. This is actually the only one that has <laughs> actual children. Actual children? Yeah, no, no, nothing. Nothing bad happens to them. They're not gonna. I was gonna say no, they're not, not, they, they don't. Okay. I mean, they get scared, but none of them, you know, uh, no one, no, no one gets it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, the, the you know, Psycho or the Birds. I, 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 you know, I, I would at least I would be being directed by Hitchcock. Right, at, that's true. At, well, in that. his finest, you know, in the, at the peak of his powers. Um, mm -hmm. So I that that would make me tremendously excited. I'd be able to see him at work um, and hang out with uh, with a bunch of great people. Probably the Birds. It's a little more. That world's a little more colorful. I think. So they, there you go. Uh, so yeah, horror sequel: uh, Jason Lives, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, uh, and 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 the birds. If we're just talking like horror, maybe maybe a mishmash, a mishmash of the two. That well, <laughs> they would actually mesh pretty well together. There's a, there's a, there's already a there's already a, a pretty big James Bond reference in uh, in in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. It begins. It, oh it begins with a James Bond style gun barrel sequence. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe. Uh, but that movie, that moment of the movie, tells you everything you need to know about uh, what the rest of the movie is going to be like. All right. So, Tom, mm -hmm. do you have a writing prompt for our listeners? I do. Yeah, I have a little exercise that I thought it might be interesting for people to do um, based on how I work, which is to start with the dialogue. And it's called uh, the, the exercise is called Complete the Beat. And um, I'm basically going to give you two lines of dialogue, the beginnings of a conversation. and ask uh the the playwrights out there to you know add two or three more exchanges no more than that and by the end of that we should find out we should know who the characters are and we should know what the relationship between the two of them are but i've gone with but the and, and the dialogue that i've i've uh done uh character a um will say I need your eyes. And character B replies, you're not getting them. So take that wherever you want to go. Character A, I need your eyes. Character B, you're not getting them. Add two or three more exchanges there and let's find out who these people are. 
and that's a kind of boiled down version of that's like a, a formatted version of what I do when I write. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's pretty challenging, you know. This is we should know who those two people are by the time you're finished writing. That's the kind of goal. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And that's how I create character. <laughs> that works. Yeah. That's not unlike our process, right, Tori? <laughs> that is correct. Yes. I love it. I actually, I mean, I have an idea already. I know. That's what I love so about it. I kind of, I kind of borrowed, I borrowed the, the, the dialogue a little bit. It's not from a, a play, but there is a, there's a short story that um, begins with someone asking for someone else's eyes. And I, I, I just think that's, that's an extraordinary beginning of anything. Well, that's a big ask. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't need, it doesn't, doesn't need to mean that it's, you're asking physically for someone's eyes. Right. Uh, you might be asking yeah. them to look at something. But we also say, you know, it's like, you know, I need, I need your eyes. Uh, right. Like, <laughs> right. I say, I you, say that to people you've got, all the time. You've got the good eyes. Go and see. Yeah. Can you see that? I do that to my son all the time. Um, I, I, it's like, you have good eyes. <laughs> Three-year-old. You have good eyes. <laughs> you're, you're not as corrupted as I am physically yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Yeah, I know. Just, he's just like, leave me alone. Let me play with my toys. I don't stop finding things for you. <laughs> Tom? Mm-hmm. It has been awesome talking to you. Likewise, it's been so much fun. Talking with you. This has been amazing. I'm so excited to catch up on your podcast and hear what comes next from you. You've been so busy doing all this tremendous stuff. This is wonderful. Thanks. And um, we're so grateful that you took the time to join us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, uh, this is a great podcast and a great project. So I'm very happy to be involved in whatever way. Thank you. Yeah. We're really grateful to have you. Oh, thank, thank you. And likewise. Tori! Mabel, <laughs> I do not want to be stuck in a horror movie. I'm just going to say that right now. Real life is scary enough. It was great to hear Tom's perspective, not just on movies, but on um, his playwriting process. The prompt was fantastic. Love the prompt. And yes, yes. So I encourage people out there that are listening to try that because honestly, I. I typed out a couple of lines and went, oh, I, I could see where this is going and I could create some characters. And it did very quickly get in, get me into formulating characters and thinking about what story these characters might be in. So I, I liked that as a jumping off point for creating a play. Absolutely. I mean, there you go. You've got the start of it right there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Such a great, such a great thing. Um, all right, Tori. So I think uh, I think that if people are listening to us and have not subscribed to our podcast or reviewed it, I invite them to do so. Uh, also, you should, as Tom mentioned, you know, marketing is half the battle. So I think we have to market ourselves, Tori. Um, so that means that people should follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And we're not great at it. I think we're we're learning as we go, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, we can all learn together, fellow playwrights. We can all learn together and do this. Because it really is about advocating for yourself. And that's not just something that is that is specific to theater artists. That's just everybody in general. I that mean, is right? exactly right. Yeah. You've, you've got to learn to um, speak up and, and promote yourself. 
you right. know? So that, that is a life lesson friends. Yeah. That that's, know. you know, I'm still learning. I'm not good at it. I know that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's tough, but it's also exciting. I mean, there's lots of possibilities here. And we also have a YouTube channel now as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We have a YouTube channel now. So we'll probably be doing some stuff um, for video, I think. Right, Tori? Oh, absolutely. We have a stage that we have access to. I know a guy that has a stage that we can I, borrow. I, I know him too. I think <laughs> I... And I don't. I don't know if it's technically borrowing it, if it's if it's on my property. I think it's mine too. <laughs> so I guess I have a stage. Uh, yeah. So we'll. Uh, so yeah. So we'll 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 see what we can come up with with that YouTube channel. Um, should be we'll come up with some funny things. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for us. But I do know this, Tori. Right now, we have a podcast. Right now, we have a podcast. Yeah. And and you, dear audience have a writing prompt so you get to work we'll get to work and until next time keep writing keep writing and happy halloween this might not make it this might not make it happy fall season everyone yes happy happy dia de los muertos we will be <gasps> up by dia de los muertos see sí. so <laughs> did i just say see <laughs> <laughs> Sí. Tori dice que sí, así es que sí. Okay. Y con eso, y con eso vamos a terminar en español. Oh, uh, no. Buenos días, no buenas me, noches, no, no y feliz día de los muertos. Uh, uh, sí, uh, yo... sí, sí, adiós. Adiós.